Welcome to the 1978 podcast. I am here with Mr. Ray Gazuki. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, it's actually pronounced Gazuki. Gazuki. Yeah, keep putting but a my U brand is Gozuki, which is oh right uh, has you know has a story in itself. But yeah, when I was growing up, uh, kids couldn't say Gazuki for some reason, so they'd say, "Hey, Ray Gozuki." Gozuki. And so yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it I it always is mispronounced. It's fine. I think I've looked at your artwork so much and when I see the yeah. Z O or the you know Yeah, the double O. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It's, no, I'm it's not, kind of gotten into my brain now. Very used to it, yeah. What would you call your your by the way, your style? Like is it is it I guess you kind of do different styles. Is this just one thing? Yeah. Cause well, you got a lot of graffiti um, style, I guess is a good way to describe it. Uh well, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I think a lot of people might, you know, at a glance who don't know all that much uh, about kind of this new designer art. It's like more like pop art. Okay. Um, but a lot of a lot of what I do is, is really just based in um, a lot of like uh, vintage work. And then my, my natural like cartoon work is, uh, is that like from the late 20s and early 30s. Um, the bombshell like and the... Like the, Cuphead. So uh, if you ever played Cuphead, that's that's like the style I really love to okay. kind of draw in naturally. In fact, um, for your audience, I used to make, well, I still make video games, but when Cuphead came out, I got so many calls, people thought that that was my game. That, you oh, know, really? Well, Ray can must you, have worked on that. Yeah. Can you uh, <laughs> remind, I, I don't know, unfortunately, I don't know Cuphead. Is that a game that came out on mobile? Or what was yeah, it? Yeah, um, let's see. I think it came out about three years ago um it's not on mobile uh but it's on consoles gotcha yeah it's it's basically like uh it's it's gorgeous actually uh it's like playing an old cartoon yeah so they actually have like a kind of a film grain and you can actually see like debris and stuff inside the gameplay which actually makes it look more like it it's an old cartoon it's just it's gorgeous sweet yeah. Let let everyone know like your Instagram or your website and stuff. So in case anyone was looking for to see this, why was we talk about it? Yeah. Um, well, so a lot of my most recent art, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Ray Gazicki, one word. That's R A Y uh, G U Z I C K I. Yep. And then um, for some of my uh, professional work, you can find me on Dribble, and I'm also uh, under Ray Gazicki, uh, and that's uh, Dribble is. Uh, D R I triple B L E dot com. Got it. Uh, so some of my more traditional portfolio work you can find there. Uh, but there's a range of stuff. So it's um, you know, game arts and it's uh, you know, logo work and uh package design. Yeah. Uh, it's fun to scribble com- comic book covers. It's fun to scroll through your Instagram, you know, when you see someone's feed at a glance, mm-hmm. the amount of just art and color. Because when you just scroll down and you don't click on a specific uh, um, post, yeah, you just get all kinds of just fonts and color and hand drawing and digital drawing and uh, it, yeah, as opposed to like just seeing like just some random photos that of like dumb shit that doesn't make sense, you know? Right. Well, I try to make it somewhat interesting um i didn't really catch on that you know people were interested in my uh drawings because if you look earlier into my feed you know no one's got the patience for that but (laughs) if you did you would actually find a lot of like what i call um 
conference call drawings. Oh, right. So yeah. in the morning, I'd have a lot of conference calls and I would just kind of doodle something and then I would post that. And then I noticed people seemed to like that. So then I just started posting things that would normally go into my sketchbook. Yeah. Um, yeah. This and is so a cool it, one. This, uh, then, this throwback, this is from a while back, a couple of years. It's a yeah. dockyard thug Siberian with the AK and the grenades. Did oh, you draw right. that? Yes. So that's a uh, character design work I did for Goo Mobile. Uh, I want to say 2014 ish, somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there was a uh, a Siberian level where uh, there were these uh, dockyard thugs, uh, and well, once you get to the dockyard, before that, you're kind of like in the Arctic, kind of penetrating this base, and then yeah. there's like a a shipping area where you would run into these other thugs that were kind of more dressed for indoor, and then the rest of it is all exterior and yeah. arctic and very when you were in school you know? like 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 maybe middle school uh, high school did you ever draw i always found myself drawing these intricate levels like like there'd be a street with a city and there'd be a little mm-hmm. su- a little um um sewer drain thing and you, if you go <laughs> in there you'd go to this intricate like maze of shit and i'd sit there through class right. not paying attention and i'd have this amazing thing that i did nothing with but yeah. I'd always daydream about this, oh, this game that I could play if I could. And I didn't know. This was far enough back where I didn't even, there was no such thing as web design or, you know, it was just right. drawing and then that turned into something else. But I remember doing these layouts and they're not amazing and I don't think I even have one anywhere, but they're really fun. And it totally took my mind away to just what could be, you know, what I could imagine right. and what could be. And it's kind of like no, this Siberian absolutely. guy, you know, you just imagine these like fun escapes, yeah. video game escapes. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's exactly it. I mean, um, I, you know, and I, I did lots of drawings like that too. In fact, yeah. I would do a lot of stories um, and a lot of them would just kind of evolve around like uh, movies. Uh, I remember being a kid in grade school and watching uh, Escape from New York. And yeah. so that inspired me to do like uh, snake, uh, like snake, but three snake like characters who were me, my best friend at the time, and oh, his older yeah. brother. You know, we get uh, we parachute into this uh, into this area, and uh, of course, you know, have to retrieve some some uh, valuable uh, object or device, that kind of Hell thing. Yeah. And I, I don't quite remember the details of the story, but I remember drawing a sewer scene, Hell where, yeah. you know, kind of like creeping through. Uh, this large New York sewer with, yeah. uh, you know, like a M60 and Dude. a couple of M16s. And, um, so my, but, my, yeah. uh, <laughs> you remember the movie Commando with Schwarzenegger, obviously. Of course. Do you remember yeah. the scene when he gets on that little rib, the little boat out of the plane and yeah. he goes to the island for the finale? So when he gets and, and off that boat, all that stuff. but the scene when he puts all the shit on and the music's building and there's smoke coming from God knows where, cause there wasn't smoke yes. five minutes ago, but now yes. that he's got the stuff on, there's tons of smoke going past him. Yeah. Dude, that scene, it's like, and it all the sound of like putting the gun in the holster and tightening the belt mm-hmm. and zipping. <laughs> yeah. I, when a Let's kid, just... that fucking scene made me mentally just jizz, dude. I was like, Oh, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I actually had that poster in my bedroom. Uh, the commando Hell, uh, yeah. movie poster in my bedroom. Sweet. I love that movie so much. Man, that scene got <laughs> me. That's, that's the scene I would think of when I was in the backyard, you know, and I had the Toys R Us commando kit which was like this crappy vest and like one grenade <laughs> and i'd put it on and i'm like boom it's on yeah. dude like i'm running around my backyard and the side yard and just imagining the world 
Um, before yeah. I forget, like I was about to say, is that we should like kind of bust out a little of your background. I want people to kind of know oh. like how you came up and got to, I mean, there's so much, you have so much work mm. available to see and, you know, I can see your mind laid out behind you there on the wall. And like, it's just, let's uh. kind of talk about like, you know, yeah. what, what triggered you, you know, I always want to know what made somebody, um, we all have that moment. At least I know I have that moment, you know, where it's like, oh. I wonder what that is. Yeah. You, know? you don't have to go back super far, but you know. Well, you know, it's interesting. I never really thought about it in, in the way I think I'm about to tell you is that, <laughs> um, it was, it wasn't a moment, but it was more of like a preponderance of like, uh, you know, I was a knucklehead growing up. So like I, I never had good grades in grade school, uh, yep. certainly, you know, junior high, high school, um, how could you? And you're and, thinking about commando. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. So I was either doodling or I was just goofing off in class because, you know, I had an audience. And so I would, you know, act out or whatever. Sure. Um, and uh, they would put me in these, uh, uh, it would be for like a class period where, uh, a class session where it was, they always called like a study hall. But we knew better. Like it was, a, it was a class for dipshits. Kids that were a distraction <laughs> in other classes. Yeah. They would pile into one classroom, and we got to do yeah. a study hall. Yep. And um, so there, yeah, we would do our work. Honestly, we would actually get work done in there. I think that's why they developed these classes, because they knew that we weren't interested in entertaining each other necessarily, but just getting our work done so that we could then goof off. Right? Yeah. And so and that's it was exactly all the, it was all the artists. I, when I went to that classroom, <laughs> they actually sent me to a different high school. I said, I oh, think you'll, perf- right? <laughs> the, the, the counselor or whatever, I think you'll perform better at this school. You mean I'm kicked yeah. out because I fuck around? Oh, thanks. Thanks for right. sugar. And they sent me to that school and I always called it, called it the artist school because everyone's tagging on stuff and making shit yeah. with their hands. And, and there I yeah, was so thinking, okay. At the high school level for us, that was called Cal Hills, which was the old high school from back in, I think it originated in the fifties out in the Milpitas and, uh, which is a, a town just inside of uh, Silicon Valley here for your audience. Yeah. Um, and um, I never quite made the Cal Hills. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure how I did because a lot of my friends did. But, yeah, a lot of my friends did make it over to Cal Hills. And the, the funny thing is they actually got to graduate early because there was so much focus. Like, if you get your work done, you can go home, right? And then that's oh, what yeah. Cal Hills was. Motivation. So, Right. And, uh, you know, I would have been able to graduate early, perhaps. But again, it was for those classes or, or, or that school in particular, I think, was made for a lot of kids who had a lot of distractions in their life. But, uh, yeah, I always had these uh, study halls. Um, uh, yeah. All throughout, uh, you know, grade school through high school. Which and, probably uh, helped but, you become the artist that, you, you know, are. They give you a counselor, right? Because they want to make sure that you're not... Uh, yeah, my learning disability. So I was constantly tested for learning disabilities. I never had them, but um, so then they they try to, you know, say, well, you you have a gift, you know, you, you can draw. And so uh, when you're told that for a while, maybe you start to believe it, right? And um, I think that's really what um, kind of that would be the moment. But it was just that preponderance of like, oh, this is something you're good at. You should stick with it. You know, you're obviously not good at school. <laughs> So um, they don't tell you what you're for me. They don't tell you what you're bad at. They just say, look, you're great. I gave them nothing else to look at. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I I hear you. You came from the high school where they, they, 
they at least understood that, you know, you had a very vivid imagination and sounds like at least somebody was a re- smart enough to recognize that it'd be better to, to promote you within that rather than just tell you you're bad at the other thing. I found yeah. that I got well, told I was bad at math class more than I was told I was good at creating something, you know? Right. <laughs> Which didn't well, help. You know, I, th- I think it was, um, uh, you know, kind of a forgiving time. I'm not sure what they must do with kids now because thank goodness my, my kids are, uh, you know, 14 and 18 now. And, um, you know, they were much, have been much better students than me. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness. Hold on. My monitor just, uh, went, went to sleep. sleep here. Sorry. Yeah, That's the light I'm using. Um, and so I, but I worried that my son, um, would definitely kind of suffer, uh, I guess in that way, but fortunately oh. he, uh, actually focused and pay, you know, paid attention in school, but yeah. I was also a latchkey kid. So I don't know. Yep. I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not sure. But. Do you, what your son is not? No, I mean, I, I'm usually here, uh, you know, working in the studio, yeah. uh, my studio office right. and, um, uh, but you know, when I do have to go, I'll, you know, it's, I'm usually working in the city that would be San Francisco, um, you know, two to three times a week I'll go in, but for the most part, I'd say through their adolescence, I've been home more or less. That's great. That's great. There have been that stints where I go work in Japan for months on end, but for the most part, I'm, I'm home. <laughs> That's handy. That's, uh, yeah. I, I, my wife is, has that now. And uh, we can't entirely take advantage of it yet just because of the current sort of state of things. But yeah, um, California is a disaster <laughs> right now. Maybe it'll just go bankrupt. The state will go bankrupt and uh, cave in and get wiped off by the ocean and start over. God knows what. I don't know. I'd settle for some rain. But um... <laughs> How about just a few sprinkles? Let's yeah. try Let's start there. <laughs> So you, yeah. you, you found out you were gifted in high school. Well, I, I don't want to say that, but um, definitely there was uh, something that kept my, uh, my attention and focus over academics, yeah. certainly, yes. Where did you take that, 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 um, that skill and that all these things you were kind of like starting to realize you loved doing? Where did you take that after high school? Um. Well, I didn't apply it right away. I, I thought um, my dad used to be a cop, and I thought, well, maybe maybe I'll go study administrative justice. And um, initially, I, I started to do that. Um, but uh, I, I actually got uh, involved with my old high school counselor, whose older brother was um, an animator at Disney. And so they had this apprenticeship program. And so uh, I went and I did that for a couple seasons, and um, and again, it wasn't paid, or I didn't mention this, but it wasn't paid, so I had other jobs uh, that I was doing, and it eventually just over what was overwhelming, I couldn't do it. But I loved to animate, but I was also one of the lowest form of animators, uh, which was a special effects tweener, so I don't get to draw even the keyframes where maybe a, a rock particle starts and ends, I actually get to do everything in between, huh. which is like reserved for uh you know uh you know very low level people <laughs> like myself <laughs> hey you're working on so, that you're working on like whether you're low yeah. level or not you're in the zone you know right and i knew it took time but i was still really young and um 
I was uh, I've always really been impatient, and um, I'd say after a couple seasons, I just had enough. Um, and then yeah. came back here and eventually went to art school at the Academy of Art in San Francisco. Um, and uh, they had an animation program there, so I took advantage of that. Um, but eventually, uh, coming right out of that school, I, I actually got into uh, graphic design because that was kind of the only thing that was the only area I could find work. And um, I started off in what we used to call the children's edutainment industry. Oh, right. It's like educational software uh, for kids. And so um, it, that was interesting. I actually um, worked in that space with a guy named uh, Jared Mariama, who's, uh, who's a fantastic um, gallery artist for Disney now. Um, and uh, But while we worked together at... Uh, um, it ended up being Pearson Education, and because uh, initially we were a company called uh, Computer Curriculum Corporation, and we got acquired by this bigger conglomerate. But uh, Jared went on to do great things as an independent artist, and um, he's probably most noted for his work he does at Disney. Uh, if you ever go to that Wonderland Gallery uh, in downtown, you'll find his work there. He has like an entire island devoted to his work. Downtown um, L.A.? Downtown Disney. Yeah. Oh. Disney, downtown oh, Disney. Next to the yeah. theme park, the whole, yeah. Right. Cool. Um, and so, uh, yeah, from there, then the dot-com days came about. and um, I was already doing web design and uh, what was new at the time, Flash, yeah. which was, um, you know, basically like uh, animated web pages. Uh, and you can even do, you know, traditional storytelling animation with Flash. And that actually kind of really started my career. I realized I could actually make decent money doing this. And so I did Flash for a while. Um, in the dot-com days, I got to work in the music industry. Um, I worked for uh, Daft Punk. Um, we did some work with Blink-182. I even did a promotional tour for the Sneaker Pimps nice. uh, during that time. So this was like 2000, 2001. And um, that was a really interesting career. And then um, the dot-com crash came about. Yeah. <laughs> So, Did that crash uh, kind of shut things down for you? Oh, in a big way. Um, no one was doing any hiring. If, if anyone yeah. looks into like or examines what the dot-com crash was, it was just a huge uh, business failure because people were investing money in all these dot-com companies that didn't really have a market yet. And I was certainly part of a business that was doing that because we were working on DRM technology um, which we ended up getting acquired by Sony, but uh, we, we thought it could be public-facing, right? So if you were an independent artist or even an established artist, you could start to actually do your own distribution, right, and collect your own money and, and mm. all this. And this and was the early could, 2000s? Yeah. Wow. And so that technology exists uh, on everything that you buy media-wise in terms of, like, movies and music, other digital media, in the background, but it's not in the forefront anymore. Right. And it's obviously not for the, directly for the consumer. It's, it's, you know, for the distributor, for the business, uh, or for the business owners themselves. So, uh, but we worked on interesting things there. Um, you know, peer to peer, uh, video sharing, cloud-based stuff, which there was no bandwidth for it then. But, um, you know, I did contract work with that company with, you know, be a uh, subsidiary of Sony called Intertrust. Yeah. Uh, 
doing a lot of that for the PSP, but again, just the bandwidth wasn't there, so it never really caught on. Yeah. Um, there was a but, lot of technology that wanted to be alive, but the there wasn't there wasn't an internet bandwidth for it. That, right. that there was and a lot of people yeah. that were ahead of their time. I, I remember a few things. Yeah, and that was certainly Intertrust uh, during that time. Um, just way ahead. It yeah. just wasn't wasn't quite there. But Sony saw the potential in that company, and um, you know, they ended up doing some really cool things with it. Do you remember seeing some of the very very early Netflix advertising? Yes, they I do because they wanted they're, they're not to too be far away from where I live. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. They apparently knew that that's, I mean, from the advertising, I would, ga- I would garner that they knew they were going to stream, that the movies yeah. were going to come from their headquarters, so to speak, and go to the consumer. They just couldn't yeah. do it out of the, because so they sent DVDs to everyone, which is really strange because yeah. there's still people right. that order DVDs in the mail, and it's just like, wow. But if yeah, you live in the sticks or something. Still, well, they, DVD.com, they were actually down the street from oh, yeah. where I am. Um <laughs> it was actually on that same street um, where uh, your audience probably doesn't know this, but where you and I met uh, on that uh, commercial we did for Zynga. Where was that? Is that at the... It was in Fremont. That was Fremont. Yeah, we, so we shot in that office building. So on that same street um, was the, uh, what is now I think DVD.com, but Netflix oh. um, distribution hub was oh. in there. Yeah, on that. So that's where all their DVDs were mailed in and out. Back in the day, yeah. Funny. Yeah, man. I think uh, that as DVD.com. Oh, so Netflix is that 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 um, wing of Netflix is DVD. Oh, so it's not Netflix. It's a whole different business. So they're they're part of that. um, I think they're part of that whole Redbox network that you see Uh, outside the Seven Elevens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I believe they are. I if anyone's doing their their homework, they probably know better. But I. I think at yeah. least they exist as some part of that type of business now. Wish I'd bought like everyone else stock in Netflix back then. Cause they did, they, right. they were just praying that people would rent their DVDs back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Graphic design and stuff is sure taken a, uh, in fact, just what you do. I mean, you, like you said, you used to have to do 10, you used to have to wear 10 hats or eight or 10 or whatever. Now oh, you can yeah. go to work so, and do one thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, during what they used to call multimedia, right? Have a career in multimedia. It was because there were so many things involved. So that was web design, illustration, animation, um, uh, graphic design itself, uh, 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 desktop publishing. You know, all, you had to know all those things just to work at all. Sorry, I went dark on you again. Um, You're fading out, man. Um, so, uh, yeah, you had to have all those things or you just didn't work. And then um, when the dot-com crash came about, I'd say it wasn't that much different. Um, but the only people hiring after the dot-com days around 2001, which also was around the time I got married and had a kid. So I oh, instantly wow, yeah. like went into this nuclear family when I had this great dot-com job <laughs> and then it all went away. And wow. so I had to scramble to find work. And the only people hiring, at least here in Silicon Valley, were the people in the video game industry. Yeah. Yeah. Zynga and so, all that. It, it was good. I would say I really enjoyed that career. I, I mean, I still do technically, but it's all really about mobile now. And I'd say for the last uh, eight years, I've only been working yeah. on mobile games. 
Yeah. There's the so much I, you I, can do I with your phone. I worked on arcade games like Need for Speed. So if you were ever in an arcade and uh, drove any Need for Speed cabinets, I most likely worked on those. That's awesome. So, um, uh, as well as Madden and uh, PGA, which was really just uh, a port of uh, Tiger Woods Golf. So we did uh, a lot of games for EA at this company that I worked at or started working at uh, during the arcade days. It does seem like it's just phone games and then console and PC now. Right. I and mean, I, I think, um, you know, as soon as, well, the bandwidth is coming, but like, you know, it's, you're going to be able to play wherever. Right. So yeah. you and I could be networked. I could be on my phone. You could be on your Xbox. Another guy could be on your PC and we're all in the same arena. That's insane. Yeah. That's such I mean, a, that's such a really already here, evolution. But, you know, like you yeah. want to talk about gaming evolution, talk going from, from, from eight bit offline in what? 88. Oh, gosh, I think it was 86. Yeah, I mean, you can well, yeah, play before PC that, games. I came yeah. in, my, my career started at Nintendo when I, I think I was eight or so. But Yeah, um, you and I are like half a biscuit apart. In terms of age, but. <laughs> but it's interesting that it's not that much time in the grand scheme. From 80-something, let's call it in the middle of the 80s, to, mm-hmm. the, to 2020. So that's 40 years? No. Ah, Sorry, well, no, 35 years? Good. Yeah. That's a pretty drastic. Oh, yeah. If you the, think about just it. That, just, the, just that point in time, just the technology then from like 85 to now and the processing. I mean, if if anything else moved that fast, that's probably more movement than than most other sort of um, technology, like not technologies, but, um, yeah, I mean, arguably you could, you know, healthcare, I mean, has made, it's like, you know, leaps and bounds, um, you know, but generally software is, I would say the one thing over time is getting better, better and better. Yeah. Um, you can't necessarily, well, really depends on your perspective, but like, you know, there's a lot of things that let's just face it, don't get all that much better with time. Right. Yeah. Um, well, it's tapered but, uh, off, hasn't we, it? What's the theory that that it gets twice as fast every year or twice as right. cheap? Right. Well, it's exponential, right? Because you're 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 putting in the uh, processing power, and now you have AI, and yeah. all that stuff's going to start doing like a lot of the the analytics and and calculations for you. I already see it in the in the the creative marketing work that I do for clients. Is uh, I get together with a uh, performance marketing team. Sorry with the air quotes, but like it's just. So we feel it. Know, it. We can feel it. I can feel. It. I just keep. I just keep using it. I got, I love air quotes. Yeah. I'll do air quotes right now. I'll just air quote myself. I'm loving air quotes. Just kidding. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, as a creative director, uh, I work with a lot of performance marketing teams, and we create ads that uh, you know resonate with people. So yeah. a lot of the stuff that we do traditionally in like advertising that would look polished and clean and slick, or even cinematic, like uh, doesn't attract users anymore. It needs really? to appear raw and practical. Uh, for anyone to even pay attention to it, and so how do you um, garner that data as far as what what users are attracted to? We Is have marketers who are looking at that stuff. Uh, so you know, when you get down to a lot of different levels, they can tell you like um, we could tell when someone views the ad and when they they stop viewing the ad, uh, or if they right. they view completely where they are. Uh, and then a lot of times you can see their habits, and you have access to all this analytical data. But I'd say the deep 
a lot of the deep analytical stuff sometimes is not all that useful, but generally, you know, when you work in advertising, uh, you know, I'd say this, especially in performance marketing territory is, uh, it's really about patience. So whatever you can capture for some, you know, from someone in like 10 seconds, Wow, at 10 best seconds is, is your chance to sell the product. Uh, it's really under that. It's really wow. about 10 seconds, but yeah, because now you can see with with this with the amount of of connection, especially on a mobile device that's that personal. I'm sure you can see you can track like when they opened an app and when they closed it, and how long they watched a video for to the millisecond, and all these things, right? Right. Yeah. So you have access to all that data, and wow. you sit down with folks, and you go, "Okay, well, what should we try now?" And so. You know, depending on what the product is, uh, you try different features or even tease a feature that may not even be available for the product yet, uh, whether that's a game or a new app. Um, and then you can, you know, generally draw people either into your app for the first time or um, uh, return to the app. So we actually have data on people we know that have used the app and stopped using it, right? So um all that gets crunched by people who enjoy numbers, which is not me. Yeah, yeah. Right. So well, I then they to spit that information to you, but they for, want for the things that are important. Yeah, they so want you to just the numbers. But you end up having to tailor what you do based around that data for yeah. for mobile and things like that. I would assume. Right, and 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 for me, a lot of it is like what I know people will sit for. Right, and I really just kind of think of myself and like you know being. You know, I'm still kind of an impatient guy, but as I'm older, I'm, you know, a little more uh, uh, contemplated. But uh, (laughs) it's really just determining what people will sit for and what will resonate with them. Um, And again, like, so specifically, we we may create an ad that will bring back an old user. So we'll show them new features that might excite them to come back. Again, whether that's an app or a video game, um, you want to, like, try to reach those people. And sometimes in the data, you can actually see, like, this great change. Um, and, uh, you know, but I don't like getting into that type of work too much. Um, that's why I I work in a lot of contracts, um, you know, from, from here and, um, work in that capacity because, um, to be stuck in someone else's office going over numbers. Boring boring as hell. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's going (laughs) on in your line of work right now, considering what, you know, the fact that the world's burning down, like how's that affect? Uh, because you can work well, from home, but I would think yeah. that that would have some effect on you still. I I will say that uh, work in some areas has slowed down, and others it's it's kind of accelerated. But um, it kind of becomes a wash for me, and then for my wife, um, her business um, is also in video games, but they're also in AI technology and, and a lot of other great things. Uh, you know, chipsets that are being becoming very useful now, mm. but the bulk of the work that she does is also analytical and for and a lot of forecasting, uh, whether that's parts and, uh, distribution manufacturing, she gets to do that from home. Mm. Um, so, uh, this has not affected my family that much, except that my wife is now here. She would normally go into the office, but if she has to work from home, she can. So our, I would say that it's only changed for me now that I have a lot of people in the house, uh, <laughs> a lot more noise. 
Yeah, because before I had the house to myself till three o'clock, then the kids would come home from yeah. school, and then it, you know it would get loud in here. But for the most part, you know, I get to live like a bachelor for like eight hours. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> That's what my wife is saying. Since she's at home now, she's like, I just yeah. want, I want, I need that quiet at least until yeah. like noon. You oh, know, I miss it. I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? You know, I was thinking about is um. So I work in live production, like we're physical, you know, mm-hmm. and but I'll hear a lot of chatter from like on a commercial, I hear a lot of chatter from agency and client and we've got something set up like, let's say like there's a Target commercial I was doing and we've got the family in a kitchen and they're that we're doing something winter related that'll play for the for yeah. this season coming up, right? Yeah classic right. you know sort of yeah. winter in ad. that style yeah that they uh, got their pajamas nice. on they match yeah. the kitchen's cute and everything and it's all been designed yeah. and then they're making gingerbread cookies the mm-hmm. the boards show you know here's how this is going to play out here's our sort of like here's the camera move and here's the smile in the moment right and we're showing yeah. off these certain things that are all sort of things you can buy at target but then as soon as we're set up it's almost as if once agency and client actually see this work come to fruition and the set is live and it's lit and the camera's like doing rehearsal, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I have an idea. I have an idea. And they start almost sort of the wheels start spinning. And I hear these, you know, I'm not, I know I stay away from agency because I just, it's a whole another world and I don't want to be yeah. a part of it. But when I hear the dialogue coming from them and what, and these are mostly young people that are just sort of like off the laptop, (laughs) looking at information and considering sales and all these things. Yeah. But it's almost like they detach and depart from the plan. Mm -hmm. There was all design. And now they're just thinking, what's the most we can make of this? Because here it is in front of us. Let's, let's mine for gold now rather than stick to the plan. And they're thinking like, in they're thinking what this could they could do with this uh, scenario, how they could shoot to plan for the future, and then they start talking to Target, and Target's like, "That's a great idea." And the next thing you know, we're all sitting there for an hour doing nothing because they're just coming up with new ideas. So my 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 curiosity is like, where is this all going? So you're talking about numbers and analytics, and I'm seeing things from my end, and I feel like to some degree people that are thinking about sales, the, the agency and client end and marketing, it's almost like what the channels they have to sell now aren't good enough. It's right. it's like almost it's that it's evolving and they're trying to sort of push this into something else, but something else isn't available yet. Yeah. So they're still well, bound to phone and TV and tablet, but it's like they want to just be in your mind. And I'm thinking as soon as these Elon Musks can find ways to just inject the advertising into your eyeballs, they're going to do it. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because um, I know from firsthand experience uh, with the last company I I was working with, you know, exclusively working with, uh, we had some international teams. And um, I will say I actually um, helped produce and write a uh, commercial uh, last year. Uh, that was for an Indian audience, which was a blast, by the way, because what I love about that market is that they're still into very, it's just glitz, glamour. I mean, it's just over the top. 
nice. like all the things that you would love to kind of work on a, on, a, on a production because you just want to build it up as much as it could be. Um, they, they still adore out there. Plus, they're still into print media out there as well. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so it, like it's heavily. Yeah, like wow. magazines. Yeah, magazines are in high circulation over there. Like you wouldn't believe, you know, because they're they're pretty much dead here. But um, there, they're still widely distributed uh, mm. newspapers as well. So you're still getting a lot of your advertising dollars and stuff going to those That's places in, in the Indian market. It's all Bollywood, right? So like, the bigger, the better, the glitzier, the glamier. Mm. I don't know if that's a word. It's not a word. They like they like but, it to be over the top and shiny. And yes, yeah. I mean, just over the top, and uh, they're still really into that. I mean, I actually like that because I would say that's not quite the opposite of what we do here, but it's just, it's definitely not the direction we're going in, right? In terms of advertising. And what you're saying about being on set is I'm sure there's analytical people and producers uh, who are in charge of their uh, digital marketing, uh, figuring out, Oh, this is going to be a great spot, uh, you know, for this market. Uh, So we're going to do a bunch of digital ads, um, can we just do this? And they'll actually try to squeak in stuff where oh, yeah. it's not really factored into the production. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah they get their, and they so, get their, their, their essentially their designed shot, but yep. they're immediately saying, okay, now let's get some social, let's yep. get some, some banner ad things and everything they can just get in and fit in within that, uh, that time in the day they're willing to pay for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they exactly. crunch. And then sometimes they're trying to squeak it in because they don't want to pay for it, right? They're trying to get it for free. Yeah. Um, well, then they got a photographer roaming around, and he he and I, you know, no one's signing any NDAs, no one's signing yeah. any releases, but they're taking photos of the whole place and any little just 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 basically mining and soaking in as much content to allow for as long of a run of usage of all that paid for content that they can get out of it, you know, which, which I get if they're paying the amount of money they're paying to do all that, they want to get the most out of it. But it's just this weird sort of race in a way to, you know, and, and, and there's a weird, it's hard to describe if you haven't seen it yourself, you probably get this. Yeah. But there's a strange competition within these teams of, agency people and their different departments and stuff, they all seem to want to shine. And, you know, so it's like, I'm seeing these people put themselves out there in ways that they obviously would not in their, their personal lives, but because they're like, because person a is next to person B and, you know, maybe they've, they're both kind of the same age. So they're probably in the same sort of like, you know, level of employment, but one of them wants to be the next step up to the VP of XYZ. And so they're, they're like pushing these ideas and like step out and they'll like go like this and they'll do this traditional, like if we frame up this and you're just like, what are you talking about right now? Yeah. You're just trying to impress somebody else. You're not talking about a useful thing to do for mm -hmm. target. You're just talking about, Words that sound cool to make you look cool at this point, and everyone's standing. Yeah, by waiting for it's you. it's narcissism, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just pure narcissism on their part. Um, at least that's my perspective. Old man Ray, here come the airport. Um, <laughs> these bastards! Look at them go. These kids. These kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, they want to try to bring something extra, and I, you know, I understand that. Yeah. It's just uh, I just know looking back on when. I had a young media career. Like I wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing all I could to try to impress someone at the top. You know, I was just trying to get my job done. 
Yeah. Right? Um, Which you think and, if you were just trying to get your job done and you're successful, that that would be enough, right? You wouldn't need right. to sort of but sh- I, try I to see spotlight yourself. In Silicon Valley, there's tons of the, like, especially MBA grads, because they already come out with like this sense of like, well, I, I know more than you do about video game production. Oh like, God. You know, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's my, that's my general. The, the, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The silent yeah. De Niro. Yeah. Um, I love, there's so many good De Niro clips. You got my mind going now. Yeah. But I like to call those people flazers, right? So it's like the opposite of a trailblazer. They're actually like failing a a big trail (laughs) uh, towards the top, you know? That's funny. Um, And unfortunately, some of those people, they make it. Uh, But which is uh, weird. It's really usually in those companies, you don't want to be there anyway, right? So that's why I enjoy the bliss of being a contractor, right? So sure. and if I can avoid it, I'd never sign on with the company. I'd just get a contract so I can cleanly separate. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of um, what I like about yeah, freelance work. It's the, the it is a double edged sword, but I, I, I always know in the back of my head if it's coming apart, I can literally just go right. walk away. You know? I'm right. not committed. I don't have any four oh one K BS with this people. They're literally just a job, and there's other jobs, uh, you know, if, yeah. I, if I work hard. And it's a nice, like, mental safety, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the only thing that I do miss about, like, being on permanently at studios is just having, like, a, a big art team, right? Sure. And then, you know, a lot of times, because as artists, designers, we're very emotional, tend to be, with our work. Hold it very precious. But, sure. Um, with the experience team, they, they understand how to kind of separate that and look at it as product, right? Um, but I also enjoy like educating, uh, you know, you know, young artists to, to look at things at, from a product perspective, right? Because that's what you're here to do. Uh, but then also encourage them as designers to do their own work, right? Kind of like what I'm leaning on now with like a lot of the design work that I'm doing is just more like what I like to do. You should always have that, right? But then we have our careers. Uh, but eventually maybe the stuff that you love to do, you'll bring into a career. Uh, That'd be it, fun. It, um, it, it, that, I, but again, oftentimes I could bring an artist in-house to like, to understand how to look at what we're doing as product, right? Not to look at like, I worked forever on these weapons and, or this background and yeah. uh, now they want to cut it or it's like, well, don't hold it precious, you know. <laughs> like, I thought that's actually a hard one yeah. for me to swallow sometimes. Yeah, because that we'll grind out and we'll we'll create a set, and the, everyone in the team will work at it from the production designer to the decorator to to us just putting yep. it all together. And for especially if it's ego based, for some director to just change his mind and all that goes away. Yeah. It's a tough one, you know, because you put a little sweat and hard into it, and and you and you got people all trying to make it look good, and yeah. and uh, it can the plan can change, and they've got enough money to just throw that whole thing down the toilet and start over. And the mm-hmm. upside is maybe you work for a few more days, and so you get a little bit more income out of it. But at the same time, it's like what I try to do is drive that towards a personal endeavor. So if I feel like all my efforts at work went towards something and then it didn't get shown. I'll mm-hmm. say, okay, well I can, I fully have the capability to, to sort of put a bandaid on that on my, in my own world. 
and yeah. go home, make something of my own, make a video of it and put it out in the world, and no one can tell me not to, and no one can decide it's not happening. It's all me. So I can I can self-heal in a way, you know. I'm not trying to yeah. sound like a baby, but I can sort of rectify the situation. And yeah. it's it, fun that way, you know. And it's yeah. nice to have that option in the world with the technology we have and YouTube and everything that you can sort of self-broadcast and self-publish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of in the visual arts, you know, especially as like video game design or even animation, you either have a reel or you have a portfolio where you can look back on the work that you did hold precious, right? Yeah. And you could you could show that to other people to help sell yourself. Sure. So you always have that. And that's a, lot, a lot of times I'll I'll say to someone like, well, this is your good portfolio piece. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, put it in your version of the style guide. You know, when you, when you, when you're all done with this project, right? Yeah, because um, if the world didn't see it, doesn't mean no one has to see it. Exactly, right. Yeah. But I also think that's what's great now is like you've got your podcast and, and you know, there's there's YouTube now and there's just so many new yeah. avenues to kind of display your work um, that you didn't really have before. I mean, you put a portfolio up as, you know, on the web, but like you couldn't necessarily show, um, I don't know, things that other things that you worked on, right? So yeah. If I had a real portfolio of like all my work, you would see like the video production and and the animation as well as the print stuff. Yeah. And like you know, and I only wind up in these areas because, uh, you know, there's oftentimes when I when I come on to a studio, there'll be someone who hasn't done something, so I'll have to get involved and then start doing that also. Oh, uh, yeah, and. Uh, especially in the mobile days in the early mobile days when um, I, I went to uh, start a company called Zynga or jump on board a company. No one had ever heard of the time yeah. called Zynga and we made mafia wars mobile and that was incredibly popular, but it was the first iPhone game uh, that Zynga had really had this big success with. And um, what did that drop on? Did that come out in iPhone three? Uh, I, mean, I guess what era was that iPhone three era? Yeah. Or the four? early iPhone era when everything was shaped more like a bar of soap. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, <laughs> with a, with a, um, that soap domed back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Almost, I guess we think about it, maybe a very small soap dish. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. And so we funny. had millions of downloads in our first month yeah. and it, it went really well, but it was also, um, a time where you didn't have in-app purchases, right? So oh, wow. you couldn't buy a new weapon in, in, you know, inside the game or anything like that to kind of give you an advantage or, or anything else for that matter. So they didn't know how to monetize. So and sales as a whole, from that point to now, just get, just sales has completely changed too. Totally changed, yeah. Because so that's the model the monetary, now is in-app purchases. From a monetary perspective, right? we didn't do well with Mafia Wars, but in terms of downloads, it was off the charts. So there was some success. And so what they did on the monetization, part of this is Apple, right? So they wouldn't allow the in-game purchases at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, but they would allow you to sell different packages, versions of the game, right? right. So we had, like, I think a four ninety nine version and two ninety nine at the lowest. And then I think it went all the way up to fifty nine ninety nine version. Wow. And a all game on your phone? You in-game currency that you could then use to uh, buy other items inside the game only then. But you couldn't buy currency inside the game for whatever reason. I there is a reason, but I just don't know a good one. Well, they probably didn't trust it yet. 
Probably. It I probably seemed a little predatory at the time. It could have the been part and... of the tech and then also could have been part of like, uh, um, they might have been afraid of fraud and I don't know, lots, right. of, lots of different things because the tech was still pretty new. At but that when time. you so, when you did that, so you yeah. buy the game and then there'd be the five ninety nine. Did you have to have the full game to buy the five ninety nine additional or that standalone? No. So it was still there's still free to play. So you could buy or you can get that a game for nothing oh. uh, in, in the app store. But if you wanted kind of an advantage, um, you would buy these other versions that had uh, value added to them. Right. So you would have the extra things like better weapons, better vehicles. Uh, and from off yours, you'd have other rackets that you had access oh, yeah. to that you wouldn't have if you just had downloaded the game free. So, wow. yeah. And Mafia but Wars all, isn't, isn't around anymore. Now. It's not around yeah. anymore, is it? Or is it still? Uh, they had revitalized it a couple times since. Because um, you would think that... I was only with Zynga for like the first eight or nine months. Well, let's see. Maybe of their existence, they probably had been around five months before I came on board. I was like employee like 72 or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, but it was all mobile and Facebook from there. Uh, and it was, that's when like those microtransactions started to like kind of slowly creep in yeah. and started to become like what was and still is the gaming industry is that. That's the go-to a, model now, right? Is the in-app purchase. Oh, yeah. Well, it, I also feel like, and I worked with a lot of old school creative directors, like they've been making video games since like the very early 80s, late 70s. And like, um, and people who had worked on stuff like historically, uh, like if you watch any video game documentary made in the last five years, almost <laughs> everybody in them I've worked with. Nice. Uh, in some form. And, uh, but it, it kind of compromises or it does compromise, I would say, the gameplay now, right? So a game designer doesn't, they're not looking at it as like designing fun. They're looking at it as like, okay, how can I get a user to spend money, right? They'll probably tell you, no, we don't do that. But really they do. They're encouraged to design something so that it will take more money from the user to continue to like have fun, right? If anybody says something's not sales-driven, they're high. We're in a capitalist environment, right. economy. Right. I mean, come on. It's all boils I, down to the dollar. I've always been about... It, like it never made sense to me. I really think if we should build complete games to go into the app store, I still be- believe this. And it was never been a popular opinion, by the way. And all the companies <laughs> I've worked for, whether it's EA, Zynga, Disney, yeah, not a popular idea. But I think we should build a complete game for one price and no microtransactions. Good luck with that. <laughs> Everyone hates that idea. <laughs> but I'm like, just you know, it to me, it, it's fair, right? If we're not asking you for any more money than we do up front. And then you have a complete game that you can actually finish. Yeah. Right. Or we just keep well, adding to the game, hoping that we're just going to build more users. And they kind of, the they kind of do that on for, console and it, PC. Don't they? You get a complete game. Yes. You can't, you, you yeah. can't, well, I, I guess mean, you could still buy a light transactions version. there. Yeah. But there's also my micro, microtransactions there now as well, but it used to be a fair exchange where, I pay $40 or $60 for a game. You give me a complete game yeah. and I can finish it and go on to another one. Uh, but now it's, you know, it's, it's different. I, but in the PC and uh, console world, they're still charging for those games. But plus we have market transactions. So it, just it, that word, you know. that word microtransaction, <laughs> it almost connotates mm-hmm. like 
sneaky sales and marketing. Mm. Like, oh, it's just a microtransaction. It's not microtransaction, much. but the uh, but the ninety nine cents, yeah, ninety nine yeah, cents so. out of your pocket times five hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. It's not a yeah. microtransaction anymore. Yeah, micro theft. Yeah, I, I just made that up, but I'm sure it's out there. Um, and if you if you look at it, like I was looking at something recently. I think it was on Xbox. I was playing Xbox, and um, I kind of. I'm almost kind of anti, like, I don't think I should give you five ninety nine for, you know, a million in-game dollars when to buy a jacket in a game costs a million dollars. So I'm paying five ninety nine for a little digital jacket. In my head, I'm just like, so I go in the real world, I work for X amount, part of an hour, you know, and I earn mm-hmm. that five ninety nine, and I give it to you for a drawing. And it's just like, and I get nothing physical. It's just to me, it's just a whole like, it's so cheap. It's so right. Like, dude, you're just you're just you're just laundering, or you're just uh, printing money at that point. It's like, right? It's uh, weird. But that doesn't work. I'd say on a couple old codgers like us, but right. like kids, uh, people like uh, my son. Uh, Seems like a great idea, right? right? Complete customization. Yeah. yeah, sign me up. I don't care what it costs. But um, then after you get all the shit for your car and the game, the bumper and the lights and the tires, that car yeah. and the game costs you seventy five bucks. It you could. know? Yeah, it's like no way, dude. Not you paid seventy five to buy something in a game that already the game already costs you fifty. I mean, it just seems absurdly high priced when you think about the long run. Yeah. Well, yeah, our perspective is uh, totally different from a lot of the folks that are. Uh, well, when, when your son, right when your son gets a job and he's earning his own money, and you say, "Sure, you want to buy the game stuff, spend your own money," that's when he'll say, "Wait, wait, 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 wait," you know. Uh, well, yeah, sometimes it doesn't even work with my son. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I will say that if, if my son's got any character flaws, is he can't keep money in his pocket. Right. If he yeah. has a dollar, he'll figure out how to spend it. Well, he likes buying cool stuff like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. He just uh, he's spending money like you know it it all be gone tomorrow. So, but uh, he'll learn. You know, he'll we learn. All he's do. fourteen. Yeah, I, I suppose he's supposed to be like that. Times have changed, man. It's interesting, but you know, it feels like as much as times change. Even though, like, the next generations, it's almost like they just go through the same thing. You know, they may have a different, like, war or yeah, a different, a different mm-hmm. war or a different devastation or something, but it's kind of ultimately the same sort of plot points. Yeah, I believe that. Like, I don't, I don't think that, um, you know, kids from the 1930s are really all that different uh, psychologically from the kids today. I'll probably get a lot of shit for that, but, like, I think it's the human condition. We all have curiosities. We all have um, uh, those things that, that keep us, uh, that drive us. You know, I didn't think when it really comes down to it, like we would all want to be appreciated, right? A part of just having fun by its, you know, in and of itself. But, um, but, you know, I'm sure there are some significant, there are differences, but I think as humans, we're not really all that much different. You know, I don't think we're really Absolutely. necessarily that involved. We all want the same uh, core evolved. stuff. It doesn't matter if you're from the other side of the world or here or what color you are. You kind of all want 
you know, your family to be safe. You want to have an, an income mm-hmm. or some way to provide. Yep. It doesn't matter. You all want the same stuff, which yeah. is, which is, and I, and I don't want to dive too far into this if you don't want to, but um, that's one of the big things that confuses me about all these sort of div- divisions that politics have created and stuff is just like, uh, yeah. why, why are we taking these different stances? We all want the same shit. Yeah, we do. You know? I, but I also think that some people really relish on, on creating the us and them scenario, right. Yeah. To kind of, to get the same things that we all really kind of want. Right. Um, but I also think that those are the same people uh, in high school and grade school uh, probably created cliques uh, out there as well. Right. It's, it's, it's a human yeah. condition. Yeah. We all want the same thing, but like you just said, at the same time, we tend to draw lines in the sand and say, we are all over here, this type of people. Mm-hmm. And you guys over yeah. there don't like the same stuff we like. So you're that type of people. And we kind of divide mm-hmm. in that sense organically. Yeah. Well, I think it, for some people, it's all that really helps define them, right? Like when I was in high school, we had a car club, right? And, you know, in our car club, we didn't like people with certain year cars. I think like our car club was like 1964 and earlier. Anyone else, <laughs> like, it's whack. That yeah. car is whack. Yeah. Um, so, I still mean, a good word. It's not, it's not too aggressive, but like it, we definitely took a stance on, and then other cars as well, right? Like, yeah. uh, but I think that's all part of like uh, our adolescence is feeling like you belong to a group. But I think for some people, you just don't grow out of that, right? Some people, they're able to evolve, but some people don't. They need that territory. They need to feel tribal, right? In the yeah. sense that they have people who are like-minded and I, I can't be outside yeah. of, of that. I mean, honestly, I love being in a studio where um, we have a treehouse environment, but a street gang mentality, which means yeah. creatives only. You know, we're not going to drive someone out of the studio because I don't know they're they're an accountant. Uh, but <laughs> the thing is, it's just that it it's always nice to surround your people or surround yourself with people who think the way that you do, right? And yeah. I think there's a good way of doing that, and then there's a, a way of doing it that's just not very good, right? Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I do the same thing. I like to be around the misfits and the creators <laughs> and stuff. It's just it's just yeah. more it's just more it feels right. It, I, when you're when I'm around, uh, you know, I think I use that accountant analogy a lot. It's just because that's the first thing I think of. Well, what's the opposite of a creative person? <laughs> yeah, but the, but ultimately, doors. they're probably being yeah. creative with numbers. They kind of have yeah. to think of sol- solutions for problems. So, um, but it's uh, it's you know, I do it too. I I want to be around these types, and I tend to surround myself with them through work and personal uh time Mm -hmm. and so yeah i mean i'm i'm tribal in that sense too yeah and i think we all are like i said i think there's a there's there's a good way to kind of harness that and live with it and then there's uh, there's others right and i think when you're a politician that's your way of life right whether you're conservative or a liberal a democrat uh, a republican uh i think that business uh, tends to keep you in those negative areas of that tribal, you know, their sense of tribalism, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like they've got the, you know, like the, <laughs> I can't imagine being in that environment, not, not as myself, but just, just even being a, a Congress person, let's say, and you go to these magnificent buildings and listen to this 
man or woman speak on their their topics and the laws they're trying to you know change or add to and then you go back to your office and you're trying to like schmooze but then you don't want to see this guy and you don't want this person to hear this conversation and the just the the strange sort of brew of who can talk to who and all that mix mm-hmm. seems mysterious to me. I don't get, yeah. I don't know how it all works. So I really all I have is this this image of just people kind of going behind each other's backs and yeah, you know I'm translating what I see in in the news to what that might mm-hmm. be like in in politics in Congress or wherever. Mm-hmm. And it probably is more straightforward than I'm imagining, but. It sure feels like that's just a just a, a, a barrel of snakes, you know, kind of thing. Just people trying to. Yeah, I think I think when politics is your business, yeah, it it can't be good, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah they, they need some it, they need some artists in there. They need some artwork on the wall, and you know. <laughs> well, you know, I I also believe that um, you know if we were all creative, then nothing would be right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That, you know, I. Yeah, we need we need the others, right? Uh, to to I guess make ourselves uh, maybe feel special or at least have something. Uh, but, almost like yeah, a but, almost like a like a human chemical balance, you know? Like yes, like everybody need needs something in, in their life. Yeah. You know, once in a while you have a glass of wine and the other next thing, but you also got to go for a run, and you, then you have dessert, but then you also eat healthy in the for the rest of the week. And That's then, right. you know, we all need to, like, have those things going on. Eat your vegetables, on. Alex, and you get to lick the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> lick the bowl of vegetables. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> really, Dad? Me? Yes, son. Yeah. Here you go. Well, <laughs> wow, broccoli. Mm. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking more like, uh, you know, dessert was, for, at least for me, it was always, like, uh, based around something that was going to be baked. So it was in a bowl. There was some sort of batter, whether it was cookies or brownies or stuff like that. I, the, actually, yeah. the way I heard you was comically, I was thinking, you said, eat your vegetables, and you get to lick the bowl, too, as in lick the bowl of vegetables. Oh. <laughs> no, I just, like, like, like uh, double, when like, dessert time comes around, I know, it's just, it's something so inside, yeah. like, I, I do this all the time with people where they're like, maybe they'll laugh, but they're not sure why they're laughing. Uh <laughs> Or they call don't that at a, all. Call that a rage joke. Funny for me. It was funny in my head. I do those. It sounded funny to me. I just don't know what how I do it. What does that mean? Yeah, my delivery said, wasn't there. You get to lick a bowl? What does that mean? Anyway. <laughs> they need some Ray Gazuki art on the wall in, in, in That's the right. bowels of Congress. <laughs> are you getting a lot yeah. of people that are asking you for custom stuff? Like saying, hey, I saw your yeah. stuff. Can you do something for me? Yeah, I actually, uh, well, I have an interesting client um, who may or may not be part of the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, <laughs> they have a new apparel uh, line out. We're talking. I might be doing some designs for them. But I also get, you know, uh, people, you know, coming out of like maybe Bogota or um, or New Zealand uh, who want obscure design requests yeah. for zero money. Oh. Uh, <laughs> hey, can you not yeah. be with your family or at work? For me, the guy in New Zealand, and by the way, I'm not compensating you. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, but it's always usually like, oh, come on, man. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. It's like, well, they're 19, I, and they're just like, that must, you know, they want your shit. work on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, you said you were going to do a, uh, you were starting a, um, a store? Yeah, so. Um, kind of I'm a way to deal on, with all this. 
Right. So whether that's going to be, I'm looking for a store that'll encompass all the things that I'd like to sell, or you know, it would be uh, decks, hoodies, shirts, sticker packs, uh, stuff. I think people might like. Um, but I'm just trying to weigh out like what are the best options for that because I don't want to actually have to deal with distribution and things like that. Um, we don't have to in this day and age. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you can just have your store on some other sort of site where it's like they just drop ship whatever the order, you know, right? Like whether it's Shopify yeah. or Big Cartel, one of those. Like, but they probably not- take too much percentage. I would assume make not even worth it. Uh, they do, but I'm not looking at it as like a source of like income, right? Because I still have my regular work. Yeah. But um, if it I does bet you take though, off, if you yeah, started that'd be, it, it'd be a great thing to do. Yeah, because if you started putting stuff on there, and it had the volume of, let's take your Instagram for instance, and someone was scrolling through and they saw as many choices as there are on Instagram, but then you could just say, put put I want that, but I want it to say this, and then I want it on a deck. Then it would just be a matter of you creating it, giving it to the website, and the website would then print it on whatever the hell you want, right? Yeah, yeah. I think there, there are definitely some services out there. Uh, I don't know if there's too much customization, but um, like I said, I'm, I'm weighing out a lot of the options, and I keep coming across new stuff, but I'm hoping yeah. to launch a store um, you know, before the holidays, I'm hoping. Because I, um, I want this one. Yeah. I want that one. Ah. I want that one on a t-shirt. That's what <laughs> I want on a mascot. t-shirt. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'll, There's I'll, probably a few I'd yeah. like to have on a t-shirt and a sticker, but that one I like. I just love, I mean, I, obviously I like ramen, but it kind of looks like a cereal box, but it's ramen. I don't know. It's just fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a lot of like the art that I've been doing is yeah. just a lot of stuff that I grew up on. Yeah. Just, you know, when you're, at the breakfast table and yeah. uh, you're, you're staring at all this cart- great cartoon art on a cereal box. And yeah. Just, I love all that stuff. Talk I, mean, about- I, I actually have uh, stacks of like vintage advertising art, right? So a lot of that, like in the early 60s and late 50s, it was like, like a lot of car- character-driven advertising. I love all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I guess I, I'm a... I am a big fan of bold. Um, do you remember TNC Surf Design? Oh, of course. Yeah, Steve Navarez. He's on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Things like that and like the Santa Cruz logo I just, and uh, Creature. Jimbo Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. Thrasher. All on Instagram, too. Yeah, those yeah. guys are. Just the, uh, there's, there's, something about, there's something about the bold, like large bold I like. Yeah, but I also I like large bold, but I also like like just that. I don't like it when there's like some of these things. I, I'm trying to think of one I don't like, but it's very like when they're too busy with like the the logo and then like additional like text, like almost a paragraph. You're just like, this is just 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 show me your logo. Just have mm. the big thing. They can have it be like sitting on something or whatever, but don't give mm. me like three sentences to read on top of your thing. You know, and just. Right. If it's just the logo. Now, if it's like advertising, that's different. But if it's, they're just yeah. trying to put well, their they're, logo. they're different goals, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And everything I'm doing on Instagram is really just, just putting out stuff I think is fun, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, could you talk yeah. about this one real quick? I wanted to mention this. Yeah. So you made this. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you had. So the mental health art exhibition. Um, yeah. That was in the UK. Um, yeah. I, I, 
this guy uh, approached me on Instagram and asked if uh, I could donate some art for this, uh, um, you know, mental health cause out there in the UK. Um, I said, absolutely. Uh, so I got together with my local printer and um, got a piece together. And so that was part of the exhibition that went down last weekend, I believe. Um, and it's in, um, I'm trying to can't, off the top of my head, it was uh, a banger. Yeah. Uh, out in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they had a great turnout from what I understand. Um, Is Outsiders the like a mission or like a, Outreach program? Yeah. From what I can tell, so the Outsiders is actually a barbershop. Oh, oh okay. Because they're standing in um, front of it. They converted the entire barbershop. Uh, I'd love to make it out there someday because it's, it's, it's awesome in there. Uh, but they converted the entire barbershop into uh, an art exhibition. And I think Sweet. they even have like a space next door where people go in and then they had this auction or, uh, or they auctioned all the art, all the proceeds go to, um, you know, to, to mental health charities out yeah. there in the UK, uh, particularly in Dublin, from what I understand. Yeah, that's the shop. Yeah, I'm showing, for, if you're listening to this on audio, I'm showing this uh, Instagram channel called Outsiders Male Grooming, which is a barbershop, and Ray was saying that uh, the piece he donated was for a cause, and that cause was helped then by this barbershop. Yeah, so the, the, that was the, the venue was the barbershop. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I donated a piece uh, for the exhibition and um, actually got to uh, talk with the the guy who uh, actually won the bid on the piece and I got to tell him a little bit more about that particular piece and the series. I So I, I didn't think that uh, someone would just be listening to this, but um, I did this series of... Uh, uh, like paint ads where there's all these paint mascots. So one, the spray paint can, a paintbrush, a bucket of paint, um, a roller and a uh, fat marker. And it's all done in like this uh, uh, old advertising like way, these, these mascot cartoon characters. Uh, but I made them up to look like legitimate brands, um, you know, right down to like maybe what that, what the ounce count is for, <laughs> Or the container, or uh, whether yeah. you know it, uh, it, it uh, has a long-lasting effect and all that stuff. <laughs> it looks like it could be a legitimate ad, but it's really just a piece of pop art. Yeah. Um, so, after talking with the guy who won the uh, the bid, uh, I told him I'd send him the other uh, four pieces uh, to that uh, to that series. Um, but uh, I couldn't tell him when because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually had had that uh, that piece printed up before the uh, uh, the pandemic. Uh, oh, really? But that things far. start to loosen up a little. Maybe I can get some other stuff printed. But that's also something I'd love to have on my store coming up soon. Is, yeah. uh, for people to be able to order prints um, and on, on top of you know, shirts and hoodies, decks, things like that. Well, all this stuff. I mean. If you're listening, just check out, pull up your phone, go to uh, Ray Guzicki, R-A-Y-G-U-Z-I-C-K-I, uh, Instagram. Because when you scroll down, you know, it's like you just get all these cool, you know, it's art. It's all handmade art. You know, this is this is kind of one of the things that this whole podcast is about is people that make their own way and use their own skill and their own talent and their own tenacity to create something rather than 
have something either handed to them or 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 go through the sort of traditional process of sort of collecting a document that then you can show to somebody else that will take that as proof of knowledge. And um, I'm not knocking that way. I just prefer the, you know, cut your own tunnel and, and walk through it and go where you want to go, even though you don't know where that technically will take you. Because That's when you absolutely where I'm at now <laughs> with, with all of that, I'm just having the, fun doing it at the end of that journey, at the end of anybody's journey, whatever you, what you, you, whatever road you went down, you're going to be laying there on the bed or sitting on the couch watching TV. And you think, what did I do with my life? And if I feel like it's going to be a lot more rewarding if you're like, you know what I, I, I tried to, or I did accomplish that little thing in the back of my mind. It's like, I want to do this and it's not going to be easy, but if I keep going, I'll, I'll find some success in it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I have no complaints in terms of like what I've been able to do in my career. Uh, you know, whether that was, you know, animation, the, the advertising, uh, you know, game development, um, even some of the film stuff that I've worked on and, and then also working as an independent designer, like, uh, no complaints because I've been able to do things. It's taken me all over the world. And, yeah. um, I'm just, I'm just, you know, fortunately still having fun, even though it, it's still work. A lot of days I don't want to work <laughs> like anyone else, but, um, I, I don't have any complaints, no regrets. I mean, sure you have regrets, but like, uh, but for the most part, I, I think this was definitely, a you know, where I should have been, uh, definitely not, uh, when we first started this podcast, uh, being a cop would not have been for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think I would have been able to make it. Which, I um, mean, especially now, can you imagine having to do that job? Uh, oh, I know. Just, just the controversial most everything. on the earth right now. Yeah. I just wouldn't want that. <laughs> oh, that's rough, rough territory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It can't be easy. Well, what else? What else you got? Anything else you want to throw out there in the world, right, Ray? Um, uh, not at the moment, um, but uh, I am also probably working on an animated series with some friends. We're waiting yeah. for funding. Um, but um, I've heard that all... I've heard that a lot. People were saying, "Well, I'm waiting for funding." <laughs> yeah. Well, this well this time we actually uh, well it, it's like anything else, right? We're all waiting. Um, Is this that thing you went actually... to a meeting? I'm I hate to interrupt you again. I'm sorry. You yeah, said yeah, you went no, to a meeting like right. a few months back. You can talk to somebody. That's that same thing. Yeah, I was in L.A. talking with some people out there uh, who have uh, been on a few shows uh, on Cartoon Network in particular and uh, just trying to understand a little bit more about like what's new in distribution and what should I look out for. I mean, already through you know my video game uh, contacts, know a lot of voiceover actors. I'm not worried about that. We actually know a lot of really talented people in that arena, but... Um, uh, it's more about um, uh, finding out where the distribution is. I already figured out what production costs are going to be. Um, yeah, it's just more trying to get a better understanding of like where we are in this new age of distribution and yeah. what would be the best uh, best way to, to kind of go about it. And right now, it's just it's just about the money. So yeah. uh, I'm writing. Uh, uh, a buddy of mine is also doing a lot of writing right now. We're looking at doing something that's uh, based in uh, uh, a story that's based in Silicon Valley based yeah. on, and a lot of that is all drawn from real world scenarios, just the most ridiculous stuff that we've been exposed to out here over the years. And hopefully, 
you know, other people will find that funny as well. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, so. there was a very popular HBO series based on all the comedy within the pain yes. of yeah, I, I I I was actually deeply saddened to hear that Silicon Valley on HBO was was going to go away I because know. I almost every episode I've been through some form yeah. of that in my career, uh, almost every one, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, maybe dad, not to that extent, but like all those people that exist or in that show, they exist in real life. And yeah. I know who some of them are <laughs> like who they're based off. of. You know, my dad said, he I said, you know, there's this great show, uh, Silicon Valley. The writing's really good. It's mm-hmm. funny. Uh, he said, I refuse to watch it cause it brings up PTSD. Cause my dad mm-hmm. was doing the dot com thing. Finally wrote a, wrote a, a train into the sunset and, or what's the, yeah. got the golden period worked for a company that sold and he retired, but he did all this yeah. like, you know, you know, join yeah. a joint start a company. It's all, mm-hmm. it's like just bare bones. You don't know what's going on. And then it either sells or it just dis- just dissolves. And he did that a few yep. times, but he said that he's like, Nope, that show literally makes me feel like stomach pain, you know, like <laughs> it's yeah. that real, well, it, you know, I could, I could see that. I see. I, but for me, it's more like, um, sometimes when I'm laughing, I'm kind of crying yeah. also <laughs> when I watch that show because yeah it's out there. But what I love about that show is it really helped pull it into a comedic perspective for me because it's really not that serious, you know? And, uh, but it, you know, it's just, it's interesting. We were talking about the psychology of people and, uh, you know, tribalism and, you know, where people decide they're going to plant their flags and narcissism and all that. And that all exists in that show. And if you've never watched that show out there, you, have to watch Silicon Valley to even just really understand what it's like to work out here. I mean, it's, it's a little accelerated, a little over the top, sure. but really, um, very accurate. <laughs> my friend, my friend Brandy is a decorator on that show. And she said that it was just as hard to work on in the sense of there's so much to do as, mm-hmm. as it was like real. You know? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, because it's just it's to get everything to look right, and it's being shot majority in LA. Have it look like uh, the Bay Area and tech. Yeah, the, well, I know some of those some of those cutaways or those establishing shots are definitely here. Definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they send they a camera guy to go shoot some B roll outside of a building, but the inside, oh, know. you know, all that, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, she says great, and it's I love it. I love that show. I, I and to be honest with you, for me, not having come from Bay Area tech. Um, or at least not enough to kind of have that feeling invested. Um, um, it, the, what stands out the best to me is the writing. It's just very creative and accurate writing and, and yeah. funny. And it goes, it, it, it builds really well and the pitfalls, but it can turn mm-hmm. around right away. It's just very well done in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I understand, uh, Mike judge, uh, was actually a software programmer back in the day. Yeah. He did a run so, in tech. Yeah. 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 And, and that made so much sense to me uh, <laughs> when you watch that show and then going back a little further with Office Space. I was yeah. like, it seems so accurate. Somebody's been there. Yeah. <laughs> to, to what it's like to Someone work in drove office. down that road. They also yeah. had a, they also had a, um, a, an advisor, like some sort of like. Yeah. You know, I, well, I actually tech. met some of the technical Veteran. advisors for Facebook. I know some of them were from Facebook. Oh, uh, okay. 
Uh-huh. And, um, and like I said, some of those personalities, I actually met some of those people. And yeah. it's just to watch it in the show, it's just like, yeah. I mean, they exaggerate, of course. but Sure. It's, you it's have to dramatize it all. Yeah. You have to dramatize the vomiting and the... In the, yeah. in the in the sw- night sweats and but the yeah. writing oh god the, some of those there's a couple moments I'd have to say that my favorite character is uh, Jared the the yeah. business uh, <laughs> the CFO or not the CFO yes. the the C uh, uh, I think he was the COO yeah, yeah. tall skinny guy uh, but he would turn and be like. And then he talk about you remember I think it was season six I'm sorry I have to I mention this I'm yeah. pretty sure it was season six and Jared gets the like I'm gonna use air quotes again like you mm-hmm. the girlfriend uh, Blart and it's this little woman who never speaks <laughs> yeah. dude and then he yeah. and then he's describing an issue to somebody else about Blart and he says well I don't yeah. I'm getting this wrong I don't know if I'm gonna have time because I have to go get Blart's. Um, uh, Gwart, I think it was. Gwart, yeah. Gwart, Gwart's like um, medication because she has night thrashing. Or no, no, it was, <laughs> I have to I have to night make sure thrashing. she has her, <laughs> her prescribed sleep sack be, to, to prevent her night thrashing or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I laugh so fucking hard because yeah. she never does anything. She just looks yeah. at the screen and apparently when she goes to bed is when shit pops off. Yeah. Oh my god! I died. That killed me. There was one other. There was one other Jared scene with the gold chain at the end of the season five. Oh my god! It, uh, yeah. So good. Yeah, it's just so much stuff. He, I, I love like um, in the beginning when they were in the incubator and um, he's sleeping on the floor and Richard's up in the top bunk and <laughs> speaking and he German. Just starts, Speaking German yeah, in the middle yeah. of the night, like just violently, and he's like, like having like, conversations, like "Oh, Frogen and the So I didn't know you yeah. speak German. I don't. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I, I don't speak German. <laughs> Are you <Yeah>. sure? Because <laughs> you do. <laughs> but that is just straight up like creative comedy. That's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to just come up with that. That didn't come from yeah. anywhere except the creative mind. That funniness. Yeah, I'd love to be in that writing room with oh. Mike Judge. It's, you know, he's just. Ah, this great stuff. For some reason, the writing room on a TV show, especially something that has the freedom of like an HBO, seems like a really fun place to be. Probably difficult if you're like the weak guy in the room, but a fun either way. (laughs) Yeah, I I wouldn't mind just bringing uh, the bagels and donuts in the morning, you know what I mean? And just sitting in for a little while. (laughs) Just stand in the corner with an iPhone, like just watching and like recording audio and playing it back. Yeah. I love. I mean, you know what? That's kind of like another sort of like you know, you create this, and those guys created that. And it's just all this creativity is great, man. And I just hope that of all the political and all the you know ecological problems that that it that we don't lose the ability to create, you know. I just don't want the world, yeah. or at least the U.S., to turn into some sort of system that impacts things to the level that we can't do what we'd like to do on a creative yeah. way. You know? To be honest, like I feel like I feel like the, the creative endeavor will, will always endure, and, and I think arguably, when you look in societies like even some of the most harshest societies, there was always art. You know, yeah. there's always creativity. It's true. I mean, if anything, you can say it, it inspires it, right? So. It, along those lines, I mean, I know where you're going, but like, 
I, I always will have faith in, in creativity, like it, it, yeah. especially in adverse times. It'll always be there. What was that? Um, I may I may be mixing this up. There's either a famous painting or just a just a, a photograph of some sort of um, war zone or, or or really bad area of the world, and the cement is cracked and there's like a little flower growing. You know, cliche, yeah. but you know what I mean. It's <laughs> like it it can't be stopped in any sense, but it yeah. can be suppressed. And, I feel it's yeah. Oh, yeah, like what you're saying there. I mean, I feel like it's the most natural expression of like of what I think human beings have to offer is creativity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is what keeps me going in the day and the night at all times. Shout out your stuff, man. One more time so that we can uh, drive uh, all my 10 viewers to your (laughs) Instagram. (laughs) Well, I, you know, whenever this goes up, I'm going to send it out to uh, my followers as well. So hopefully, uh, if you, if I, yeah, if I, if, if you send the link and all the stuff, I'm going to gain at least three followers. That'd be awesome. I put you over the top like that. Yeah. (laughs) Follow Ray's, uh, no, you go ahead. Tell, tell, shout it out. Yeah. So, um, where I'm having all my fun right now in terms of like things people can see is, um, follow me on Instagram. I'm at, uh, Ray Gazicki. Uh, that's uh, R-A-Y-G-U-Z-I-C-K-I. Um, and uh, if you want to holler at me professionally, I am on LinkedIn uh, with the same name. So um, I think that's all I have right now until we get the store running. Which I look forward to. And I hope that it, I hope that it's some way that store can be similar to your Instagram in the sense of anything that you've created, someone can choose and then put that on like their choice of yeah. You know, material. I, I would like that too. Definitely. Cause like, yeah. it's fun to scan through your Instagram because it's such a wide variety of color and options. And that may just be me, but it's, it's like, um, it's like going to Toys R Us when you're a kid and you go to the toy aisle and it's like, everything's like, <laughs> that's look great. at the, you know, I, I hope everybody feels that way now. Cause I, that's, those are my fondest memories as a Fuck kid yeah. going to the toy aisle. Yeah. Back in the original G.I. Joe days when the toys were cool, in my opinion. I'm not a kid now, so it's yeah. different. But, like, I wanted well, it I all. Think, I wanted everything in that aisle. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm about half a biscuit older than you are. So, for me, it was all the the early, uh, you know, blister pack, like, uh, you yeah. know, on-card Star Wars stuff, right? That oh, first generation of toys. You want, like, you want to hear something horrific? Hor- you want to, I'm going to end this on a downer moment. I'm just kidding. If you feel like it's good to end it on a down note, I, I do don't it. think it is, but I I I remember so back Let me in the put day. Put my glasses on for this. Okay, it's gonna be it's All gonna right. be really serious. Okay. I think <laughs> uh, I think it was called Woolworths. Yeah, uh, and there used to be they obviously had a toy. I mean, any any place has a toy aisle. And at some point, the Star Wars stuff started to go to Woolworths, and my mom would buy them. And she'd get, like, the original yeah. Star Wars in the blister for, like, 99 cents. And mm-hmm. what, what? Now, because I told you this is bad news, what do you think I did? But that collection, mind you, of oh, stuff that my yeah. mom had collected and left in the packaging in a big box mm-hmm. in the closet, what do you think I did when I finally convinced her to let me into that box? I don't know. This isn't going to be good. What? I opened all of them. (laughs) Well, I mean, 
Wait, how could wait you for not it? when you were a kid, though, right? Wait, wait for it. And then I got my dad's video camera and mm-hmm. used the Star Wars I had opened that were brand new for my mm-hmm. finale pyrotechnics made out of fireworks oh. to film in <laughs> slow-mo. Yeah. And at the time, you didn't think of it, but now, my God, I wish I'd kept all those in the in the package, obviously. Alex, it's only a tragedy if you don't have the film. I have the video. I have a VHS oh, tape of all of it. Then it's not a tragedy. It's for art. <laughs> Still makes me a, a, little, a little sad. <laughs> a little sad. <laughs> I, I want to see a copy of that someday. I think I've digitized it. And I got a, I got boxes okay. of tape, so <laughs> it's a matter of me committing the time to go through it. Yeah, it's not as tragic as you think. Oh, yeah. you, you captured the moment. It was worth it. Yeah. All right, Ray. I'll, uh, I'll send you. I'll send you some some uh, some digital information when I've when I've riled it up out of this. Great. I appreciate you being on. No, I, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'd love to be back if. Uh, if you I would love me. to have you yeah. back. I, I would love to. I would love to have you back anytime, really, because okay, we could go on and on. Yeah, yeah. No, I get. Uh, yeah, uh, I could definitely do some more in-depth stories. You know, no names, of course, but like. Well, yeah. when those when those things that you're you're hinting towards become a real thing, tell me. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet, buddy. All right, my man. Nineteen seventy eight podcast out. Peace. Thanks, right. Thank you. <laughs>